Welcome to the Fit for Privacy podcast with Punit Bhatia. This is the podcast for those who care about their privacy. Here, your host, Punit Bhatia, has conversations with industry leaders about their perspectives, ideas, and opinions relating to privacy, data protection, and related matters. Be aware that the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are not legal advice. Let us get started. As we implement privacy, there is always a question around where does privacy start and where does security start? What's the fine line? And then as we get mature, we ask ourselves a question. What KPIs do we implement? What controls do we put in place? And have we done enough? Is that going to be sufficient? And now when we look at these questions, we always have perspectives perspective of a privacy person, perspective of a security person and perspective of a auditor or audit person and sometimes also of the compliance person. And how about talking to somebody who has done all the roles that is being in privacy, being in security, being in audit and has a perspective on all these topics. I'm talking about none other than Kimberly and Kimberly Lancaster who is serving as a privacy manager in a fintech and she has also been in consulting. So let's go and hear from her how she sees these things. So here we are with Kimberly. Welcome Kimberly. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Very happy to be here. Same here. Very happy to have you. And let's start with our standard question. How would you describe the GDPR in one word? <laughs> Involved. Involved. Wow. Maybe throw some light on it. What do you mean by involved? I mean involved because it is an it was a regulation that actually brought all areas of a company together around mm. privacy. Normally, in a in a privacy organization, you work with specific groups. Um, you know your engineering team, your marketing team, those kinds of teams across. But GDPR actually opened the door for privacy professionals to reach out and work with everybody in their company. Mm -hmm. uh, awareness, training, um, process documentation, those are all areas that really, it, it's involved. Mm -hmm. so. Interesting. I have had many words when I asked this question, but involved, I think, is the first time. And it's a very good word in a very good way, because when we look at the GDPR, you rightly said it, everybody's involved and not only inside the company outside as well and there's yeah. a lot of involvement around it so very profound very nice word now you've been in the field of privacy you've been in security because if i understood well you've been a CISO for some time and now you're a privacy manager so how do you see the fine line between privacy and security i mean help us understand where does it start and where does it end or if it does start and end of course <laughs> privacy is really based on the requirements um, and rights of individuals around their data security is how we secure the systems where that data is stored or mm -hmm. processed i don't see a line between the two you may have different individuals different teams Mm -hmm. But the interaction between the two, it, it, it really is a partnership. Um, you, you can't secure data 
and understand how to properly keep the bad guy out mm-hmm. without security. You need to understand from the privacy perspective, the security team needs to understand why they need to do certain things. It also comes down to a point that if you have a solid partnership between the two teams, you build a foundation for maturity for your organization that allows continued growth. It allows for additional uses of the data with the proper consent. It allows for maintaining and monitoring for the bad guy to not come in and appropriate data that he has no right to. Uh, It also allows for growth in learning. Mm -hmm. I'm a firm believer in in opportunities to cross-train and to understanding what is important for a security team. You know, what are their goals? What do they want to achieve? Because then I can drive particular responsibilities on this side Mm -hmm. to help support that. I also ask the same back. If I need to understand how access is being being granted, if I need to say, okay, because of based on consent, we can only allow people who with a right to know access to confidential data, help me do that. So there's a lot of opportunity here for for co-alignment and the line really should not begin or end. It should be a continuous interweaving through the organization and through the the opportunities to work together. I think I fully concur on that. There is no line between the two. It's so interwoven, so integrated with a different perspective of looking at the same thing that is achieving privacy and security together because there's no privacy without security. And Mm -hmm. you can put the best security in place, but if you don't think of privacy, then also it doesn't help the individual. So both are needed, but I'm tempted to ask you another follow-up question on this one. That is, sometimes we see in some organization, especially the mid-sized ones, that privacy and security is a one department. Now, of course, we do realize there needs to be synergy, alignment of goals and so on. And having them separately, of course, has the advantage, two teams, some friction, some challenges, Everyone have their own goals and it moves forward, but that works for the larger organizations. But for the mid-size, you usually see there's a director of privacy and security or a manager for privacy and security or a vice president for privacy and security. So what's your view on that? Is that a good solution based on your experience since you've done both privacy and security? It it depends on the company Mm -hmm. and it depends on the environment. I've been in opportunities where there's been separate teams, where there's been separate organizations, Mm -hmm. um, down to where there's one-on-one, you know, one privacy, one security. Mm -hmm. Um, the, The real key behind it and the real driving factor is the commitment for those teams, whether they be an individual, whether Mm -hmm. it be one person doing all of it. To really taking a hard look at what they're trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. And then also the bigger commitment has to come from the executive management of the mm-hmm. company. They have to support the decisions made. They have to understand why those decisions are made. 
and they need to help drive those decisions across the company. You know, when you're, when you're talking to a smaller company, mm-hmm. um, you know, you've got a, a small, medium business that maybe has less than 50 employees. Mm-hmm. This is a great opportunity for the privacy or security person to train, to give awareness, to um, support their coworkers through conversation, through mm-hmm. understanding what their requirements are to do their daily job, through um, the goals of the business. You know, everybody gets busy in the day and you're trying to achieve everything you need to achieve. But having that little tidbit in the back of your brain is really important. And mm-hmm. small company, you know, individual proprietorships to, you know, mega companies, the privacy and security team um, really should be a driver of awareness. Yeah. And, I think, yeah, go ahead. Um, no, just to kind of add to that thought, when you have those types of situations where you've got a smaller company, uh, it often works to have company meetings around things like this. Mm-hmm. to bring everybody together so that you can talk about it Absolutely. so that you can understand how it would impact, you know, the marketing person, um, how it would impact the salesperson. And then the privacy person or security person can go back and start to formulate ideas, how to support them. Yeah. I think uh, you hit a very important point. Most people think that when it comes to privacy or security or audits, give me a template, give me an approach and it will fit in. While these are complex matters, even data management and compliance as well and a few other departments, these are complex matters based on the size, scale, industry, region and many other factors which are difficult to describe. But decision needs to be made, even the culture in the company as well. So all those factors combined to say, do you need a security and privacy office together, separate? In fact, I have also worked Mm -hmm. in a couple of companies. Even within privacy, the responsibilities are split into two departments, being the regulatory and legal part is with the legal Mm -hmm. teams, while the business side of communication, engaging with business, guiding them on what to do, how to implement those policies, that's on the business side or operation side. And that's another model. So there's not only one. Uh, saying privacy and security or privacy and security right. being separate. But the important point you highlight is one size does not fit all. So find right. your own creative solution based on your uh, specific situ- uh, factors. Yes. And that leads to another standard question because sometimes mm-hmm. in consulting or when as a privacy manager we are there, what are the three to five KPIs I should ma- uh, implement? <laughs> Of course, we all uh, know that, but I'm still uh, keen to uh, tap into your wisdom and see what are these three to five controls or KPIs you see and why would you recommend them as well? What's the rationale behind those KPIs you would recommend? So KPIs are, are a great way to look at how, how much work's being done. Okay, Uh, number of uh, data subject requests that come in, number of uh, privacy impact assessments that you've completed, uh, number of reviews that you've done with your product team, 
um, number of engagements or training awareness that you've completed across the company. Mm-hmm. When we talk about KPIs, one of the, the key factors that I think is, is really important is based on the size of the company, based mm-hmm. on the um, awareness of the company around their maturity mm-hmm. is a very key factor in driving those KPIs because those KPIs are going to change over time. No. When you when you have a, a young company or a, a lower maturity level because they're just starting out, mm-hmm. one of the key factors is really to understand how much is coming in. How many mm-hmm. things are we seeing? How many times are we engaging with the other teams? Are we really talking to the engineering team about possible situations that could occur from new products, mm-hmm. How, you know, privacy by design. Um, and then as the company matures, yes, you want to know how many DSARs you've received. You want to know how fast they've been processed. Are you meeting the regulatory? But then you also have the components of, are you doing what you need to from a regulatory standpoint? Mm-hmm. You know, are you conducting internal reviews to make sure that your your um, processing documentation is accurate? Are you making sure that you have um, owners for each processing activity? Are you validating that processing activity against your privacy policy for consent? So as the company grows, as things happen, and, you know, everybody wants to to take on more and more work and grow a company, you've got to do it in stages. So Indeed. I'm I'm a very firm believer in don't eat the elephant all at once, tackle what you can, but continue to have that plan to move forward. That's another good point you mentioned that you can always set three to five KPIs, but those also will change as you evolve, as you mature in, and those are based on the maturity you are in, but I understood that you're also an ISO lead auditor. Is that true? Yes, that is correct. Okay. If that is correct, then I have another question which I would like to ask, which is similar to the KPIs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it goes in the direction of privacy controls. So from an ISO lead auditor perspective, what privacy controls would you recommend? Because KPIs are little different and controls are very different, especially those who are in the field. We understand the difference. So I'm keen to tap into the knowledge or wisdom around the controls as well, because those are to be demonstrated on an ongoing basis or regularly, let's put it like that. Exactly. So the great thing about ISO is that it is a security-based audit. Um, And 27701 actually brings in, you know, 27017 and 18 had controls that were based privacy that you could add on top of uh, 7001. I love 27701 because it actually gives me the opportunity to do an in-depth audit, which then drives a lot of KPIs. Are Are we making sure that we have all of the Um, components documented? Do we understand the data flow behind our, where our data goes? You know, Mm -hmm. yes, I've got a user that puts it in the UI. Where all does it go after that? And how is it being processed? 
within that workflow and within that data processing, who has access? How are they gaining access to the data? How are we securing the system? Are we putting the underlying framework under it to hold it up mm -hmm. in case there's a situation that happens? Are we looking at ways to avoid a um, data incident? Mm -hmm. I don't like that B word, <laughs> so <laughs> I try to avoid that at all costs. Um, but really what it comes down to is the frameworks and the controls that you can put in place really should be a way to measure and to support growth for the company in meeting future things that happen. If they want to drive more work, if they want to grow the company, mm -hmm. if they want to do a lot of different things, you've got to have this framework. And yeah. the beauty of ISO is it gives you that framework. Absolutely. I think it does give us that framework and it also gives us that means to implement that framework if you understand that. Yes. Yes. Completely. Indeed. Yeah, and it's not only ISO, even the NIST framework gives you that. Or in fact, framework by definition itself is providing yeah. you the in information. And that's what I like about the GDPR also, because it's a framework legislation. It doesn't, mm -hmm. of course, it binds you where it needs to, but in most places it leaves the onus on defining what you want to do in a situation and being able to demonstrate that, yes, we fulfill the accountability. Exactly, exactly. It's, it's the accountability that each of these brings, you know, GDPR, um, here in the US, you've got a series of new, new legislation going through and being passed. Um, you've got individual country region uh, laws that impact privacy. So understanding that framework as a whole is so critical. And being a lead auditor, one of the great things that I was able to to learn from that mm -hmm. was it's a big picture. Mm -hmm. Security, privacy, compliance, it all works together and it all must work together. Mm -hmm. Because if you've got conflicting controls, you're causing grief to your your in you know to your teams because they don't know which one to do all the time. And that's not, you know, the goal is is tell me what you do in your job, how you do it. Let's add some controls around it. You know, let's let's put the blanket around you and, and wrap you in the blanket and um, make sure that you're doing what you need to do so that we Absolutely. can prove to the outworld, outer world that we do these things. That's true. So now the privacy field or the GDPR is about involvement. And then we have privacy and security working together. We have the KPIs and we have the controls in place but still when we look around we are not at a stage in privacy maturity at least at an overall level where things should be because technology has been leading and laws have been catching up and it's thanks to these laws which people hate sometimes but we are talking about it so when you look at the situation more say a little bit from a distance what is your concern about the current state of privacy affairs, if there is one? There is one. I think the the biggest thing that that sits on my mind mm -hmm. is 
that there is a lack of documented data processing by companies and the validation that they have the consent to use that data in that manner. Mm -hmm. Whether it be through contractual, whether it be through terms of uh, T's and C's, whether it be through their privacy policy. There is, you know, we've seen different situations with some of the social media that have come up where people were not aware that their data was being processed. Mm-hmm. There's also a, a, to add to that, I think that there's a lack of awareness on an individual's per, part of exactly what data they're giving mm-hmm. to a company. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we go in and we use an app on our phone. Do we really understand what that app um, is gathering about us? And, um, you know, I've, I've, I've got a, a son who loves his apps, and, but he's very cognizant of what they gather. He reads their privacy yeah. policy. He looks at stuff. Well, I've kind of drilled it in his head. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, um, you know, read stuff, read stuff, understand what they're doing with your data, mm-hmm. you know, because that data is there. It's, yeah. It doesn't go away. It it lives for a very long time unless you ask them to remove it. And Absolutely. But I think sometimes we being in privacy field also get into more of saying a little bit too far from reality. I mean, uh, I'm at the board of one of the companies and they were asking me some questions like what's your favorite color and what's your favorite song and things like that. And Mm -hmm. I was like, no, that's personal information. How can I tell you what's my favorite color? What's my favorite song? Because it reveals my personality. And then my son also happens to be contributing to that organization. So I said to my son, hey, who was behind this idea? Were you in the meeting? And he said, yes, of course. I was the one. And I was like, oh, you know, (laughs) it's against privacy. Why why do you expect everyone to share that? And he said, come on. If somebody knows about which is your favorite color, what is your favorite song, and a few more information, what do they gain? What can they do? What harm can they make you? And I was like, oh, because now that my son proposed that idea, the perspective shifted from idea being bad to, you know, the parental affection. And I was like, maybe you are right. And then I hesitated in terms of giving that idea. And up amongst the board, probably I was the last one when they asked me, I was, I reluctantly or more willingly than before shared it. So sometimes mm-hmm. we being in the field of privacy or security get very narrow-minded or very focused, but I'm glad your son also, what do you say, reads privacy policy. So is he her privacy expert? No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. But he does try to understand what's going on and it's because we've had some conversations around do you realize Mm -hmm. and when you when you talk to people you know um i think one of my most favorite conversations i had was with an engineer about Mm -hmm. five years five years ago Mm -hmm. and he's like well the data in the system's all mine and i'm like hmm okay let me ask you this. If it's all yours, did you 
personally gain consent from those users to do what you want to do with it. And he looked at me and he says, oh, wow, I never thought of that. Yeah. And so I pulled up our privacy policy at the time and I said, let's, let's talk through this. Let's figure out what we can do within the consent. Or do we need to go gain additional no. consent for this? Do we have, you know, and it was, it ended up being, it was a 30 minute meeting, ended up being two and a half hours. And at the end, he came back to me and he says, I want to be one of your privacy champs. He <laughs> says, I just, I want to learn. Yeah. And to me, that is one of the most amazing things because I can learn from him on his you know, on his coding and how he works and why he works. And having that breakthrough with that individual, you know, those are the situations that really help bring that framework back into place. Because exactly. then you know that people are thinking about it. Yeah. And I think there are two elements in field of privacy and even security that matter a lot. One is the context and second is the yes. perspective. And of course, the third one, if we were to look at it, would be culture. But if we yeah. merge those two or three elements, that's when you find the real solutions. But mm -hmm. at this moment, I'm tempted to ask you some choice questions with nothing okay. right or wrong about them. And I would say, right. if you were given a budget of, let's say, 50,000 euros or dollars, I think you're in Hawaii, so let's talk about dollars. Yep. <laughs> so $50,000, and you had a choice between doing an audit or doing a strategy so which one would you choose? i i would choose the strategy hmm. and the reason why is because i can conduct smaller audits i can mm -hmm. conduct conversations i can conduct you know ask questions mm -hmm. that gives me the opportunity to get to know people mm -hmm. get involved in what they're doing understand their goals Mm -hmm. Versus coming in with, with an audit and a checklist and say, do you do this, this, and this? Mm -hmm. By investing in the strategy, I actually am helping build the next steps. I'm defining mm -hmm. where, I, where we want to go. Mm -hmm. I am, can align that to what my engineering team, my marketing team, my operations team, my CEO and CFO, mm -hmm. where they want to go. Mm -hmm. And that strategy gives the basis for the next steps. Mm -hmm. I fully agree with you. Of course, the other way also, it's uh, practically possible. But moving yeah. on, we talked about the KPIs and we talked about the controls yeah. and both have a different perspective as we discussed. Yeah. So if you had a choice in terms of time and effort that the organization needs to spend, because time is precious always. So where would you ask your team to focus first? To set up the APIs or set up the controls? Setting up the controls. Hmm. The controls can be? drive. The controls can be a lot. The controls sometimes have a little more work detailed to them. Mm -hmm. The KPIs, we can drive certain things around. Um, what we're doing. Mm -hmm. It's the how we're doing it that's more important. Mm. And the controls can help guide that. 
the controls also take longer than setting up the KPIs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, once you have the controls, then you can derive, I want the next set of, I, I want these KPIs. I mm-hmm. want to track this. I want to understand this. I want to know mm-hmm. how often we're doing X, Y, Z. Um, but yeah, I, I really believe that implementing the controls first gives you more ability to cohesively across the company make a difference. Okay. So for second question in a row, I would have answered something else, but you convinced me to answer what you answered. So let's see on the third one. Okay. And <laughs> it's always fascinating. It's about perspective and context. So yes. you helped me change my perspective. And you get into an organization new as a privacy manager or a privacy consultant, more importantly, as a manager, and you find they don't have a solid governance. But you also see that there is a lack of, what do you say, policy perspective. That is, there's no cohesive scope. So I know some people will bundle privacy uh, policy under governance, but I'm for the purpose of conversation saying separately. So you have Mm -hmm. a choice to invest in creation of policy and procedures versus setting up the right governance. So which one would you start with? Oh, good question. Good question. Um, you know, you have to have policy. It's, it's like, that's your guiding point. Mm-hmm. You can, I don't expect my my partner teams to understand GDPR mm-hmm. in any depth. Mm-hmm. Um, what I ask them to do is understand the policy that's been written that supports GDPR mm-hmm. and how it impacts them. Mm-hmm. So having the policy in a in a place where it's a, you know it may not be perfect, mm-hmm. but getting the policy so that it's understandable and applicable and people are reading it, then you can start to to look at the other components. You know, you have a policy. You refer to a policy with your framework. Mm-hmm. You refer to your policy with with the processing that you do yeah. from and everything. So policy for me is is the first step okay interesting so third one i can say i had a different opinion (laughs) okay i'd love to hear your opinion well uh yeah i mean i would think i would start with governance because if i create a policy Mm -hmm. and i don't have governance then i would be dry but if i create a governance then eventually at a certain point the stakeholders would say how about creating a policy and then I would achieve that one. But as we said, it's, there's no right and wrong answer. And these are the questions I generally uh, invent as part of the conversation. So it's, uh, and I also think about what you would answer and what I would answer. And then I ask mm-hmm. that and uh, you have helped me change my perspective on two points. So that's always good. And I think it's always good to have perspectives. That's what it is all about. Exactly. So now, based on this conversation, if someone wants to know about what does your company do, Marketa, right? It's a fintech. It's Marketa. Yes, we're a fintech. And what does it do? Because you're in Hawaii, the beautiful Hawaii. We don't associate (laughs) that with fintechs and everything, no? Um, Marketa is 
actually a wonderful company uh, that has a, an amazing culture. And the products are, are very unique um, in the aspect that our founder wanted to create a way for companies to use virtual cards and mm-hmm. to use uh, payment methods that were a little outside of the normal. You know, mm-hmm. everybody's, everybody's uh, used to using their credit card and such. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, uh, he, he built out this company and I would definitely say if someone's interested, there's some amazing information on our website and uh, please check us out. Uh, you definitely make me more curious than my earlier visit and it makes me curious to see what did I miss out because you create some suspense now based on this conversation if say somebody says they want to get in touch with Kimberly for whatever reason uh, what would be the best way to reach you Uh, through LinkedIn that would actually be the best way Mm -hmm. okay so at least I take that priority. We connected on LinkedIn, and uh, now it—I mean—it doesn't feel like that we've spent thirty plus minutes together. But that's the reality when I look at the clock. And before I say thank you and goodbye, is there any one yeah. final message you would like to pass uh, on privacy matters? I think the biggest thing is is awareness. Mm-hmm. Read understand what's going on, um, talk to people. Mm-hmm. If it, you know, for me, part of, the, part of the joy of being in the privacy field is being able to show people why it's important, yeah. why it's important to them, why it's important to their, um, and making sure that they understand that there are, um, a lot of different things that are happening in the world. And they need to, you know, understand who to ask, mm-hmm. reach out. Yeah. Um, you know, privacy is a great thing. Um, I'm a firm believer that you don't have data protection without privacy and you don't have security without privacy and you don't have compliance without privacy and security. And So it's always fun to teach people how it impacts them in their daily lives. And that's why I enjoy doing this so much. For sure. I can see that, that you enjoy and you like to connect, interconnect and involve everything. So that's wonderful to have you. And it was a pleasure. It was as if the time just flew by. So thank you so much for your time. It was wonderful to have you. No, thank you. I really appreciate this and loved the conversation. Thank you. Fit for Privacy helps you to create a culture of privacy and manage risks by creating, defining, and implementing a privacy strategy that includes delivering scenario-based training for your staff. We also help those who are looking to get certified in CIPPE, CIPM, and CIPT through on-demand courses, that help you prepare and practice for certification exam. Want to know more? Visit www.fitforprivacy.com. That's www.fit4privacy.com.
privacy.com. Thanks for listening. If you liked the show, feel free to share it with a friend and write a review. If you have already done so, thank you so much. And if you did not like the show, don't bother and forget about it. Take care and stay safe. Until next time, goodbye. If you have questions or suggestions, feel free to drop an email at hello at fitforprivacy.com. That's hello at F-I-T, the number four, privacy.com.